evening and welcome back to another episode of Geeks Who Haunt. My name is Slagathor and tonight with me I have a special guest I to say. He's a good friend of my brother podcast, Geeks with Shields. Ulrich and Axel really love him. It is Chris Chipman. How are you? I'm doing great. I actually just uh, spent the day at PAX East um, over here in Boston. First time going to anything like that. I had a blast. Yeah, I saw some pictures on Twitter. It looked like fun, and I was very jealous. I would love to go to something. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And um, it, it, you know, I was talking to my brother, uh, Movie Bob, uh, who was there with me for a little bit of it. And uh, it's wild how quickly the the geek culture went from being kind of something that was shameful and in the background, you know, in like the basement of a comic shop when we were, you know, 12, 13 years old to now you're standing in line with familiars, all these people that, you know, we didn't really have things to bring us all together like that, you know, pre-internet or early days of the internet. And um, to see something like that, see everybody just together having a good time was awesome. So do people recognize you? Like, were you swarmed? Or were you able to be like, you know, celebrities with shades on and just kind of like smooth through the... Um, there were a couple people who recognized me. Um, a lot of people really loved the blockbuster. Um hoodie that i was wearing that i got from uh, the last blockbuster in the world over there in um, bend oregon um so that kind of was a conversation starter and i was walking around with ads for the shows so that i could get it going and you know a lot of people had heard of it but didn't put two and two together but man my, my brother couldn't go more than like 15 20 feet without being stopped <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> and and it's funny th- three or four people in the like three hours he was there with me um, brought up pictures of times they've seen him and met him before to show him. Like, oh, I saw you at this thing four years ago. Look, I have the picture. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, he 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 really likes it. Um, but he is definitely. Uh, um, I'm I'm more of the social butterfly of the two of us. So that kind of side of his job is is very stressful for him. Um, and he uh, he always says he goes, you know, the hardest thing for someone who's a bit more of an introvert. Um, but can also, you know, carry a room like he can, um, is that, you know, even with the smallest amount of Z list celebrity, and he told me, I need to make sure that I carry myself this way too. He said, cause no matter what, you're going to have negative people, you're going to have the trolls and everybody else, but it's that person who was on the fence or who really loves you. And if you're having a bad day and you give them bad one-on-one, you know, they're the 50th, 60th, 100th person you've seen that day, but you are the person they've been waiting to see the whole time. And he said, if you screw that up, you can ruin it forever. And it's it's interesting to hear that coming from him because growing up, he was more of a loner. So um, it, it's cool that he understands that. That is some, like, awesome sage advice. And <laughs> I honestly would love just to keep talking about this because I, I honestly find this very interesting. But right, but you have a show to do. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's I I like I said, I would honestly love just to keep talking about that because I actually kind of want to keep talking about that. But people aren't here to listen to movie Bob about movie Bob or you. So they're here to listen about horror. So I guess we should just get on to the episode. And tonight we will be talking about a trilogy, uh, the ginger snaps movies. Um very quickly, we're going to talk about 
the first movie, it is a story of two outcast sisters, Ginger and Bridget, in the mindless suburban town of Bailey Downs. On the night of Ginger's first period, she's savagely attacked by a wild creature. Ginger's wounds miraculously heal, but something's not quite right. Now Bridget must save her sister and save herself. First of all, let's talk about where did you first see this movie? All right. So um, to tie back into the uh, the blockbuster thing, because that's something I carry with myself everywhere I go. Um, this movie, and I believe all three Ginger Snaps movies, were actually blockbuster exclusives when they first came out, um, which is weird um, because blockbuster exclusives had a tendency to be um, more mellow and family friendly than these movies. But, um, you know, the first Ginger Snaps, it, it we had heard about it. Um, it was kind of a like, you know, on the I wouldn't call it the art house circuit, but like the, the horror circuit, people had heard of it. Fangoria did a bunch of big articles on it. And um, it was using practical effects in a time where, you know, the sequel to an American Werewolf in London was going very hardcore into digital effects. And so I rented it um, the week before it came out. And um, I, I, it was just a, a great experience because it was at one time the quintessential 90s horror movie tropes ended up in there. Like, you know, the, the, the Scream franchise. And I know what you did last summer. and. Um, the faculty and things it kind of introduced into the genre, but it was also kind of unique in its own right, which I'm sure we'll get into. But um, yeah, I was probably about 18 years old, 17 years old when I first saw it. Yeah, I didn't know that it was a blockbuster exclusive. I honestly thought it was a sci-fi uh, original because uh, that's when I saw it. I was maybe a freshman in high school and I was watching like this big, long movie run on the sci-fi channel back before it was siffy or whatever you want to call it and i absolutely loved it i thought it was so different and i honestly love anything with supernatural stuff especially when i was back in high school and everything so it was really cool and when i learned just a couple days ago honestly that it was a blockbuster exclusive i was kind of blown by that because like you said you wouldn't expect it from a blockbuster exclusive Right. It's, um, it's interesting, uh, um, about the blockbuster exclusive thing, because you had said, uh, you had thought it was a sci-fi channel movie. And I think the second and third movie were actually made at the same time and were produced by the sci-fi channel. But I think their um, DVD release was still exclusive to blockbuster. Werewolf aesthetic. What do you think of the way that the werewolves look? Cause it's hard to get to me, at least, it's hard to get the look of a werewolf done correctly. And in this one, I don't exactly like the look of it. It's all rat kind of looking and, you know, like kind of wet looking and stuff. And I actually hate it. I think it's one of the worst looking werewolves I've ever seen on TV. Right. You know, the the werewolf design, Um, the, the thing I like about how it's used, at least in this movie, is that it's um, it's all practical which I always like to see. I will say the werewolf design is, is a little bit off putting. It kind of is more reminiscent of the, uh, um, almost, it kind of reminds me of like, uh, the, the body shape of the witches in the movie, the witches where they kind of come out and they're like, kind of like hanging skin. Um, I, I, it does, it does benefit from the fact that you don't get to see a ton of it until near the end of the movie. Um, but yeah, it's, a uh, you know, the, the better parts of the movie are when the actresses or the, the actress, um, the main character, Ginger, is transforming into a werewolf 
and it's kind of the body horror of like her face changing and her ears getting larger and everything else in the tail growing more than when she eventually looks like the werewolf. And the movie uses a minimal amount of that. And so on. I think it, it succeeds in having not the best version of a werewolf, like you'd say, because it doesn't use it as much. I agree with that. Um, that kind of brings it back around to what do you think of the storyline? Like, I absolutely love the story on this. And when I was rewatching this, just the very beginning, I had completely forgot this, the weird screwed up uh, suicide pact that they had together. And I, I don't know. It just kind of took me by surprise for some reason. And I, but I also really liked all the pick, the death uh, project that they had going on. Like they were very uh, creative and stuff. And I really loved it. And I loved seeing the transformation of ginger as she's transforming and stuff. And I guess it kind of goes back to women's sexuality and their periods and stuff. I don't know. I didn't notice any of that up until Ulrich told me about it. And I guess that was what the movie's about. And I didn't know that. Right. Um, you know, it, it parallels a lot with the movie Carrie. Um, you know, the whole, the, the shame of going through your period and the fact that, you know, they're late and they're kind of looked at and laughed at by the kids in class. And even by the mom and the dad who are very like caricatures of a, you know, almost 1950s style reaction to, um, you know, their daughters going through the change, but set in the late um, 90s, early 2000s setting. Um, yeah, watching it again, I had completely forgotten how late 90s goth girl, like how they perfectly got that, you know, outcast kind of thing with the two of them, complete with the, you know, suicide pact and the photographs. It It was very honest, I felt, about its depiction of, of high school and teenagers. I mean, I was, I was in high school at the time and it felt very real and watching it now made me kind of shudder a little bit and kind of be like, Oh God. Yeah, no, that's exactly how guys acted when I was in school. And, you know, um, I remember having conversations with friends, you know, I I was in um, high school, um, right before Columbine and, you know, my high school was full of guys walking around in black trench coats and girls that were dressed like ginger and, and her sister talking about suicide pacts and, you know, kill lists and all this other stuff that kind of became a faux pas after that. But it was just kind of part of that outcast adolescent aggression that, um, this movie, I feel really captured well. And it, it, it also stuck in, you know, you've got that outcast character in the, the drug dealer guy who being like, you know, a biologist and a chemist, instead of him being kind of like the stoner idiot, is actually the intelligent character that knows everything about lycanthropes and is able to kind of help, um, you know, Ginger's sister help her through, or at least we think help her through the, uh, the change and maybe get it under control. And I love how it turned a lot of those types of characters on their head. Like you think, okay, this is going to be the guy that's going to try to take advantage of her. And he's really not that way at all. He's, he's the smart one. Um, it, it just, it, this, the story was really well, um, well delivered. Um, it was very, um, subtle in a lot of things. And I don't mean like, you know, the, the metaphors for the period and the werewolf change and everything were not, but it didn't need to beat you over the head with other stuff. Um, it didn't need to like fully wrap up everything, um, in a nice bag for you. It kind of, it kind of left themes to be themes. And I liked that. I agree with that a lot. Um, <laughs> I remember, 
uh, watching this and telling Ulrich that, wow, they really hit the nail on the head with the teenage drama crap. And I just could not believe it. It was so angsty and everything. And I remember rooting for the science druggy guy and Bridget to get together because, you know, Bridget's kind of ugly. No offense to the actress. <laughs> But she wasn't the most attractive, and I always kind of voted for them to get together, but it never happened, and I was kind of bummed about it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so, spoiler, Bridget kills her sister. <laughs> and it brings us into... Right. <laughs> um, and and wh- wh- one other thing before before you go into the next movie that I, that I had forgotten um, that you just reminded me of was um, how they kind of do this you know, how would werewolves work in the real world, quote unquote, kind of thing. So the the werewolves are actually kind of easy to kill. They're they're strong and they're violent and they're but remember the werewolves aren't running around the town <clears throat> excuse me, at the beginning of the movie killing a bunch of people. They're running around the town killing all the dogs. They're killing something that is kind of easy prey, like a dog chained up in a backyard, you know, kind of thing. And the the very first encounter with our werewolf after it bites Ginger is it getting run over and killed by the science kid, the, the, the drug dealer. And um, it, it, j- just the other funny aside with him, you know, I like how he's like looked at by the school as being like the outcast and the loner and like doing all this illegal stuff. But all he's doing is growing and dealing pot. And to be in nowadays, I remember in 2000, like that's the worst thing your friend could do. Oh my God, man, he got caught dealing pot. He's going to go to jail forever. You know, and and now it's legalized in my state, and it kind of cracks me up because it's not a thing I'm into, but it just amazes me how um how different you know if they made this movie now, he'd have to be you know like dealing heroin or something like that for it to um make make that kind of like this guy could be dangerous thing kind of play out. Yeah, no, it is funny that it doesn't follow any of the tropes, no silver bullets, nothing like that. You know, Ginger's killed with a knife, you know, they're being run over, stuff like that. I'd never honestly looked at it as they were kind of wimpy until you just said that. But now all I see is wimpy as werewolves. (laughs) But anyway, let's get into Ginger Snaps 2. It follows Bridget now a werewolf herself, constantly fighting back the virus and trying to find a cure um, before the next full moon while being in a rehab clinic while trying to get away from another werewolf that wants to mate with her. Sounds like an awesome movie. No, it wasn't. So, you know, it, it, it isn't the greatest movie in the world. Um, I give them a lot of credit for trying to make it unique. It is not at all thematically like the first movie um they they went ahead and it's almost in a different version of the horror genre you know the the first one is this you know coming of age um outcast teenage angst kind of a thing paralleled with change into a werewolf and this movie is like a uh like road survival you know, stuck in a weird ass mental facility with weird stuff going on. You add in this strange little girl character who's obsessed with comic books and reading up on werewolves that, you know, is, you know, kind of evil, actually super evil um, would be the word. And then you get the weird ass character who, instead of like the science guy is now the, 
guy that works for the mental facility who actually is dangerous, who's taking advantage of the patients so he can give them their drug of choice. An interesting thing, uh, Slagathor, that I wanted to ask you, that I'm only watching this movie um, now to prepare for this that I thought of. So they reveal that Bridget is turning because she did the blood pact with her sister at the end of the first movie to kind of say, you know, we, we decided we'd die together, so I'm going to be a werewolf just like you. And they establish in this one that the cure wasn't a cure at all. It was just staving it off, and she's still going to become a werewolf at some point anyway. So is the werewolf following her, trying to mate with her in movie two, the kid that Ginger sleeps with and gives the disease to in the first movie? Because we show him get the get the injection, he gets better, and then walks away, and we never see him again. Yeah, that's what I had thought, too, when I was rewatching this movie. But that's one of the things that bugs me, is it's never explained until later on in the movie what this werewolf is trying, why it's following her, anything like that. It's not explained as to who it is or anything like that. It's... I. I don't want to say it just kind of feels like it's been thrown in, but there's not a lot of explanation to it. But that's kind of the conclusion I came to, that it was still that jock guy, I guess. Well, and, you know, the, I give I give them credit, like I said before, for, for trying to do something different because I don't fully dislike the movie. I find it like, you know, it, it's kind of bizarro and weird. Um, and I appreciate anything that tries to be bizarro and weird and kind of go for go for the fences and some of the stuff. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the most recent Child's Play movie um, with the mental hospital aesthetic, um, the cult of Chucky, where it kind of had this weird, like, we're doing what you already expect, but we're doing it different. But I just feel like they left so much open at the end of the first one that they don't explain in this. Like, the mother that goes into the party looking for them, that they just kind of leave, go back to the house, and Bridget kills Ginger. The mother didn't get killed. You know, she's just still wandering around that party looking for her daughters. Like, I, I, you know, they never wrap any of that up. And the mother was, you know, gung-ho about, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave your father. We're going to burn the house down and we're going to get the fuck out of here. Like, there was that camaraderie. Like, mom gets it. Mom's going to protect us. And then she's just gone. And then the the whole thing with Ginger being a vision in her head, which... Originally, I had thought watching it until I had reminded myself that they filmed this in the third one at the same time. I had thought it was just because, you know, um, that actress uh, had moved on to bigger and better things so they couldn't get a hold of her for as much. But it makes even less sense that they'd have her in there so little. I mean, I know she's dead, but, you know, if, if she's a Tyler Durden style vision in Bridget's head, why not just let her kind of run around and have more to do? I don't know. Yeah, that's what really bugged me. One, I really liked the actress playing Ginger, Catherine Isabel. Like, I, I love her. I like watching all she's, of her She's great. She is. And the fact that there's so little of her and she's just a vision to kind of be, I guess, the evil side of the werewolf. Like, every time she kind of gives in to the werewolf stuff, Ginger always appears and stuff. But I kind of honestly wish that, like, Ginger would have lived at the end of the first one i i don't know how to go about it but i really wish ginger was in the movie more like i kind of i feel like she was such a charismatic character 
in her own way that she kind of helped carry everything. And now that Bridget is by herself, I found that I was not interested really at all in her story. It was just kind of like, all right, die already, please. Right. And then, then they throw um, Ghost, the, the little girl in that actually has something kind of interesting going on, but it's so thematically different than what they were going for in the first movie that it's like, okay, am I supposed to be rooting for this character? I mean, we find out that she, for some reason, decided to try to kill her grandmother, um, you know, and ends up in this mental hospital, um, like taking care of the grandmother, but also kind of has decided that she's a comic book villain or a horror movie villain and wants a werewolf um, sidekick that she can use to do her bidding. It, it's all very, very weird. Yeah, I remember watching this movie and being like, okay, you know, what's going to happen? Like, Bridget's going to die at the end of this. You know, what's going to happen to Ghost? All this other stuff. And then when they revealed that Ghost was the one that did all the stuff to her grandmother and everything, it was like, holy shit, this child's a crazy asshole. Like, seriously. And then at the end, when instead of just killing Bridget, you know, put her out of misery, she stuffs her back down into into the cellar. And it's that i honestly found that was the best part of the movie to me was that little that little twist surprise right there i felt they did that very well i agree it it ghost story is the interesting one but one thing i don't know is if nurse boy at oh wait never mind <laughs> i kind of answered my own question because i was gonna say i don't know if nurse boy actually did anything to ghost at all but they they said that you know, nurse boy never touched ghost like she lied and said. So never mind. And it's funny because, uh, you know, screwy evil nurse boy's death is is the best one in the movie. <laughs> or at least it, it has the most emotional resonance because you're like, holy shit. You know, he, he did some shit and he's getting it. He's getting his. And then the immediate turn of no, 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 no. She's a fucking liar. You're like, oh, God, what the hell is going on here? And it's like, that was the interesting movie. And Bridget's movie is interesting, but Bridget without Ginger is incomplete, which is kind of the point. Um, Yeah, because they're constantly talking about how they're sisters. They're going to be together forever. And like, like you said, you know, without, without Ginger, it's very incomplete. And I felt like this movie was incomplete. Yeah, I agree. A lot of ideas that they didn't tie together very well. So... The third one, Ginger Snaps Back, um, the beginning, uh, it takes place in 19th century Canada when orphan sisters Ginger and Bridget find themselves lost in a forest while riding on horseback. They're rescued by a mysterious Native American hunter who takes them back to Fort Bailey um, and something strange is happening there. The few settlers who remain are suspicious of the outsiders and keep tight-lipped about the situation, but Ginger soon figures out their secret for herself. This movie kind of confused me. I don't know how it tied into the into the first two and maybe i'm just not seeing it um it 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 confused me what it seems to me is um that they had two opposing ideas of a type of movie they wanted to make and got a studio to fund them making a movie and couldn't decide which one to make so they made both of them um is really what it seems to me because i love the idea and they've done this more recent in shows like American Horror Story 
and things like that, where you have, you know, a cast of people show up for a, you know, different aesthetic, different story each season, but keep your cast. And I like the idea of seeing Bridget and Ginger in a different setting, in a different story, and just have the actresses playing the same characters, but have it be a completely different thing. But you're right, they do nothing to tie it together. There's no time where they say, oh, these are um, distant relatives of Ginger and Bridget. Or these are, so so all you can do is say, okay, we're just setting Ginger Snaps in a different time period for the hell of it. See, I always kind of thought in some way that maybe it was like they were distant relatives of Ginger and Bridget in whatever now times that it was or whatever. Um, but, you know, because they're taking the Native American Wendigo and that's where the werewolves are coming from. And the Native American seer prophesized that Ginger and Bridget, Ginger would be um, infected with the virus and one sister would have to kill each other. Uh, if Ginger killed Bridget, uh, bad stuff would happen. So it was for everybody's interest that Bridget killed Ginger. But at the end, they decided not to kill each other and to be together. And when Bridget infected herself, obviously she became a werewolf too. And I feel like they tried to maybe tie that into the first one. But is that like, so were Ginger and Bridget from Ginger Snaps 3, like part of the werewolves that moved on into... (laughs) ginger snaps one and that's how they got i don't know see it's very confusing and i really right. want to did they curse themselves in in that respect curse their bloodline and curse the area to just repeat this over and over again i will say that talk about i talked about how ginger snaps unleashed at least had the the wherewithal to be very different and this movie did too you know it it's a very cheaply done but effective looking period piece um, I like kind of the inner workings and politics of the people in the fort that they move in on. I like the idea of the guy's son being an infected werewolf and he's trying to hide it. And all of these things are very interesting. Um, are they the best actors outside of Bridget and Ginger in the world? No, but I think the fact that the story focuses highly on the actresses playing Bridget and Ginger again, it, it gets a lot more points than the second one in that respect for me. The thing with this one is there's a lot more werewolves and they're a lot less interesting. Yeah, they sound like wild dogs. Right, and they look a lot more like just wild dogs. The the uh, they show even less of them, even though there's a lot more of. Um, I it's weird. Yeah, uh, but I did like that um, Wallace's son uh, Jeffrey. I think his name was. You know, he was being turned and everything but he's not he's like become like a deformed gross form of the werewolf like he's not forming correctly and it's very grotesque and it kind of makes you wince a little to look at yeah it was it was a damn good makeup effect on that kid and the the performance that kid puts in is actually quite quite interesting in the it's almost like an elephant man kind of shame kind of thing every time he's around um and uh I liked how all that kind of played off. You know, it, it kind of had a uh, like a Sleepy Hollow thing going on, or a, a Ravenous. You ever seen the movie Ravenous? No, I don't. That that's no. it's kind of like a Donner Party kind of thing. They go to a fort where they've decided to eat each other, and they feel it gives them supernatural powers. It's a crazy ass movie. Um, 
but this this felt a lot like that thematically um again what is it doing being a sequel to ginger snaps i don't know but again um what from what i remember from when these first came out is i was taken aback by how different they all were but I, the first one is still the only one that i think is an outright very good horror flick and a very good movie and the other two are just interesting in the things they tried yeah i agree to me ginger snaps the first is number one and then ginger snaps three and then ginger snaps two i honestly really like the aesthetic of ginger snaps three the beginning i really like that old timey 19th century kind of stuff and when i saw that on sci-fi like i thought it was really cool i really liked what they did especially after watching the second one and stuff i felt like it was a breath of fresh air yeah ab- absolutely um you know, and this is a genre that, you know, the, the vampires kind of got overly tapped. And I feel like werewolves didn't similarly get overtapped. You know, we had these and then they, you know, they made American Werewolf in Paris, which was god awful. And then, um, uh, what's his name? Wes Craven made that really, really terrible werewolf movie. And then there no, really has wasn't. Been- no, it wasn't. For some oh, reason, you, you I liked like Cursed. that movie. For some reason, I like it. Okay, I just do. I don't know. No, hey, to, to each their own. I mean, um, I I kind of like some of the underworld movies. So I like uh, all ugh. the underworld movies. Oh, okay, cool. All. There's another one of us. All right, <laughs> one of us. But I, I like those. And then you know you've got the polar opposite of awful in Twilight. <clears throat> yeah. So let's say. Hmm. I don't really want to think about this, but what if they tried to do a number four? <laughs> what would you want to? See? Oh, I'd be I'd be totally down for it. Um, I think, uh, and I don't know what they would do with a number four. I mean, you'd kind of have to either pull what they pulled with the beginning and kind of do something in between the old timey and the first movie, or continue the story with Ghost. Do you know what I? Mean? That would be odd. Yeah. Cause she kind of views herself as that as a uh, character that she built. She was like the mistress of the night with her werewolf hellhound by her side. That would be interesting. Just thinking about that when we were talking, it would be kind of cool for them to stick this into a dystopian future, or hell, not even a dystopian future, a future that works. Like, have we ever had you know like a like a, a Blade Runner future or a um, you know crazy Jetson style future, but horror movie? stick a damn werewolf into that that would be really cool i would yeah i would watch that hell have it be on a freaking spaceship like have them going to populate mars with like people and they just happen to stick bridget and ginger on there and one of them is infected with the damn werewolf strain yeah i can't no i don't agree with that as soon as you said that i instantly thought of like leprechaun in space and that, that um, wasn't what i was going for but yeah <laughs> michael my brain, myers my- in space my brain or, or Jason X, which which I love the yeah. shit out of, even though no. So no, I don't agree with that one. <laughs> but um, but I think doing something on on Earth, um, but in like future future land sci-fi and what hell, you know, you, you could even have it in a Mad Max type of a type of a scenario, um, if you really wanted to. Yeah, that would be really cool. But anyway, I think we should go ahead and give our final thoughts. So I, I just want to say, you know, as much as we kind of complained about the second one and a little bit about the third one or whatever, they're still both really good. 
the first one is bomb diggity dog. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I say go ahead and watch it if you haven't, especially the first one. It's like you said, 90s. I don't really want to say it's campy, but you know, it'll definitely take you back to your high school days. And I gave my thumbs up on it. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree that, that the first one is great, and all three of them are a hell of a ride to take yourself through, especially because the leads are, are so damn charismatic and fun to watch, especially when they get to be in the movies together. Um, they, they, they play off each other really well. There's, a, there's an awesome bond, sisterly bond, but also this cat and mouse one-upping thing going on. Um, with with Ginger and her sister, especially when when she goes full werewolf, but still in her human form, and is all of a sudden very sexual and walking around, and you know, kind of showing off. And you know, Bridget, who hasn't gone through puberty yet and hasn't become a werewolf yet, you know, that that parallel is still kind of there, kind of stuck, sad, and kind of trying to hold on to that bond and that difference that they had. And you know, they they parallel that with Ginger you know, being one of the popular girls as it were. And um, it's just a hell of a fun thing to watch. And thematically that, that first one is spot on and the other two will take you for a fun ride. So you might as well watch all three of them. Yeah. I can't agree more. So I want to go ahead and thank you, Chris, for being on my podcast. I know I'm a little bit awkward, but I'm glad you hung in there. <laughs> you're, you're not <laughs> awkward you- at all. This was a blast. I would do this again in a minute. Don't worry about it. Cool. Cause since you're the only other person I know besides Ulrich and Axel, you might just be on here again. I, um, you're doing a podcast about my favorite genre of movies, so I, I would be on anytime. Cool. Is there anything you would like to promote while you're on here? Since my audience is slightly bigger than Geeks Wish You. Well, you, you, I, I love how on a lot, especially they, um, the update for the 50th episode, how you were twisting that knife. yeah well they keep going like well your podcast is bigger than ours might as well promote yours and everything so it's like yeah i'll run with it well i mean you know as i've said when i'm on theirs you know i think anybody that listens to my show should be listening to geeks with shields and should be listening to your show um which i always say but you know i hope i reach some new people by being on your show um and you guys should check out you know the chipman brothers tangent creating geeks talkbuster podcast and shooting the shit with chippa um especially since i've had the general manager of the last blockbuster on the planet on my blockbuster themed podcast and um i recently had the writer editor and executive producer of an actual movie that you can see in actual theaters called arctic um who happened to be someone i went to elementary school with but had him on and hopefully be having him and his director on again to talk about their new movie so um if uh, if you can find me, that's patreon.com slash the chippa. And if you um, are a patron of mine, please become a patron of Geeks with Shields. And if you like Geeks with Shields, check me out. And that's about it. I really appreciate this. I had a blast. Awesome sauce. Well, I hope you have a good night. And to all my listeners, have a good night too, as he said. Please check out Geeks with Shields if you like Geeks Who Haunt. It is my brother podcast. And they do all things geeky and nerdy. And it's with a few historical Warhammer blah, blah, blah stuff mixed in. They're, they're not just stuck down to one thing, but they're pretty entertaining. So go ahead and check them out. And as always, guys, have a great night.